Welcome to another episode of Sophia's Choice, the Golden Girls podcast. I am Alan, joined by the uh, real Nicholas Carbone, Brent. Hello. And by uh, St. Olaf's half-man, half-grasshopper, <laughs> Ski. <laughs> Hello, friends. I had Later, somebody... I'll play uh, my legs for you. <laughs> <laughs> won't be the first time we've heard crickets on this thing. <laughs> well, we don't hear the crickets on this thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the crickets happen Monday at 10 a.m. when it releases. <laughs> yeah. Like the soon you dubbed them in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wish I, I could do a, like a sound effect. Yeah. We could, but that would take a production well, no, level. Like, wish, I wish I could, like, oh, vocalize you could do one. it. Yeah. Join the Foley Union. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had several other openings I considered on that one. Um, so, I'll, if you don't mind, I'll go through a couple of the others. Uh, I thought about introducing one of you as a snitch and a tie. Mm. Uh, I thought about introducing one of you as Sheena, Queen of the Slut People. <laughs> <laughs> I also considered a, a man who'd rather stay home and eat flop. <laughs> <laughs> you guys look that up. You know what it is? I mean, no. I, I think it was nothing. I thought it was a made-up word. Yeah. I tried to find it. I couldn't find it either. But there was like... <laughs> well, I was hoping you guys had more luck than me. Well, I think Dorothy <laughs> That says, was the point. Yeah, that was the joke. She's like, yeah, she tried to pass off flot as a real word. Yeah, I know, but <laughs> then she said she wish she'd stayed home, and so I looked it up to Isn't see it? if it was anything I could find. Just, uh, it was a callback to this damn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the other one I thought about using was for ski. I was going to say... A man whose voice can get you going like that, um, but like socks. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I stuck with the, the two. I'm I'm happy with the two I picked, but I, I should written down so many other options. I felt like I needed to throw a few exactly. of them out there. Yeah, once you involve pen and paper in the transaction, you got to share it with somebody. <laughs> exactly. So today we're going to be going over a season six, episode fifteen, miles to go. Mm-hmm. And I've got things to say about this episode, but I'll save most of those <laughs> till the end. Brent will be doing our recap today. With uh, Of course, we'll still give it our rating out of eight slices of cheesecake and our uh, MVPs for the episode. Uh, we will probably discuss best lines, but that will happen throughout the episode. <laughs> it will not be done uh, in a summation at the end. Did you guys have any listener interactions to talk about? No, okay. I haven't talked to anybody but you guys. All right. Well, I, I, I discussed the podcast with my wife. Oh, very nice. That we would be doing it, and then also that uh, that uh, what episodes? We, actually, we watched them together last oh, night. But I did say listener interactions, and from what I understand, your wife gave she, up on us after five episodes or less. I won't say gave up so much as simply quit. <laughs> See, it's a shame because I think anybody who listens to us now would have a better idea of our quality. And I'm not saying it's high. Uh-huh. I'm just saying it's much better now than it was in the first five, ten episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like if but somebody... But do you think this is the strongest we've ever been? Or do you think, like you said a week or so back, that it's been a bell curve of oh, quality and we're on the way down again? I think our quality is as strong as it's ever been, but I think that people have worn on that level mm-hmm. of quality. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, I think, though, that... You know, people are good for 100 episodes, and then after that, they kind of start uh-huh. <laughs> start giving up. Yeah. The appreciation is more of a bell curve then. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, these guys, they hit their, they hit their, you know, peak, and yeah. they've stayed there, but that yeah. peak just wasn't very high. That was yeah. the peak of a hill, not a mountain. That's <laughs> <laughs> so. one of those things, you know. Um, we put out a, you know, 145 shitty podcast, shame on us. You listen to 145 shitty podcast, shame on you. <laughs> well, I, I think 
I think it should be you listen to one of our shitty podcasts. Uh-huh. Shame on us. You listen to uh-huh. 145 of our <laughs> shitty podcasts. Shame on you. <laughs> well, anyways, yeah. well, I did have a couple listener interactions to mention. Yay. Uh, we got a message from Mermaiden, aka Lisa. Yeah. Uh, she's doing? Great name. Uh, she's doing well. I'm still uh, mention with the baby. Uh, she did not mention it uh, specifically, but I've seen her on Instagram and she still oh. appears to be pregnant. Really? Yeah. At least the last time I saw. I don't go that, on Instagram very often. And that kid is hanging on for. <laughs> <laughs> By the time this airs, perhaps. Yeah, it could no. be. Yeah. It'll be you know, five, four or five weeks from now, yeah. but. But she did say uh, on a recent episode, she said, listening now, uh, this day would also have been my two-year wedding anniversary mm-hmm. had we not moved uh, moved it because of COVID. Nice. And happy I said, uh, yeah, I said, it seems like everything worked out for the best, but happy fake anniversary nonetheless. Yeah. And, and she appreciated that. And then we also got a message from uh, Jennifer. Yay. Um, now, she replied, like, we got a couple. One was her replying to that prior message. Mm-hmm. And she has said, this day is just a, a regular old day for me because I'm boring and have no life. Mm-hmm. And I said, uh, I think there's plenty of evidence to the contrary. Mm-hmm. Even a globe-trotting rocker has a regular day once in a while. Exactly. Uh, exactly. And then she also sent us a picture. Even Mick Jagger has to renew his driver's license. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and she sent us a picture saying uh, that uh, I still reference this book every now and then. It makes me sad when people don't know what I'm talking about. Maybe I need new friends. And it's the... Uh, the big book of British smiles Ooh. from the Simpsons. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. So I said I'd love to have that, um, uh-huh. have that on my coffee table. Is it a real book? No, it's not a real book. Okay. Not, I mean, unless someone on Etsy or something has made it. I was it, hoping someone actually made it as a tribute or something. I, I don't doubt that there's been someone who's made something that at least has the cover, uh-huh. but probably sure, yeah. not the actual yeah. you know, contents. <laughs> That'd be a lot more work. Um, but yeah. So I said she shouldn't abandon the friends, but she should definitely educate them on the classics. Agreed. So. That's all I have for today as far as the interactions go. So, Brent, whenever you're ready to take us on this journey with Miles. (laughs) I am ready. (laughs) Miles to go, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, Golden Girls Season 6, Episode 15, Miles to Go. So this episode was written by Don Siegel before he worked on the John Larroquette Show and by Jerry Perzigian before he worked on Cousin Skeeter. And it was directed by Matthew Diamond before he was accused of being the Zodiac Killer. <laughs> now, <laughs> have you noticed uh, this season, there has been very few single writer episodes. Mm-hmm. Like, they really decided to team up. A more, lot. Heavy, for, heavily, yeah. Yeah, and I don't know that the results are better with two. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There have been some good ones in particular, but there has been, you know, I, I don't think that this season has been appreciably better than one yeah, yeah. <laughs> that have had just one writer per episode. Mm-hmm. So anyways, go maybe ahead. they split up like a story, B story, or something. It could be, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like they would have to do them both together because the B stories, How, however, it fits in, yeah. So, yeah. all right. Sorry to interrupt you right off the bat. No worries. Uh, so, Miles to Go was the 145th episode of the Golden Girls produced. Uh, the episode originally aired on January 19th, 1991, and was watched by 23.3 million people. That's about the same listenership we get. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I couldn't find exact numbers, um, but I believe that that means that there were more people watching this episode than there were watching Leeds United defeat Luton Town in a two-to-one massacre. But to be fair, Leeds United doubtful, had... Doubtful, <laughs> doubtful. The Leeds United had won their last nine home games, while Luton Town had lost their last seven away games. Mm. I think that that final score was a foregone conclusion, despite what penalty point scoring kicker Gordon Schrock mother would have you believe. <laughs> I will see Brent's wearing, no one can see this, of course, but he's wearing a Luton Town <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. jersey right now. <laughs> so. 
I tell you <clears> what, um, as boring as soccer is, mm-hmm. trying to interpret a uh, box score from a soccer match <laughs> <laughs> is so, <laughs> so difficult. Exercise and tedium, is it? Exactly. Yeah, I feel like the same. I mean, I've never watched a cricket game, uh-huh. but I've heard people talk about cricket before, uh-huh. and it's just like, it really is like a foreign language, uh-huh. um, the way they're talking. I feel like you could just completely be making up bullshit, and I'd have no idea, because <laughs> even if there was one person telling real stuff and another one telling total bullshit, they both sound like bullshit. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, right, so we've spent a bit of time on a Sophia's Choice discussing the literary illusions found <clears throat> within the show. In fact, I believe we once did a Webby Award-worthy deep dive into the works of Tennessee Williams. Mm-hmm. So this episode's once, title... Once yeah, we do, yeah. yeah. This episode's title, Miles to Go, continues the tradition of referencing great literature, and in order to ensure those that don't enjoy that particular meat in our cultural stew aren't lost, I'd like to take a moment to expand upon what Miles to Go references. Okay. Okay. Uh, So Miles to Go is the 2009 autobiography of Miley Cyrus. (laughs) 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 It discusses Cyrus's relationship with her family, her thoughts on society, as well as stories, poems, songs, photos, and Bible quotes. If you were one of the two million people to pick up a copy, you definitely got your money's worth. <laughs> well, I can tell you three of them are sitting at this table right now. <laughs> That's how I met Billy Ray. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Do you think, well, like, <laughs> you know, you as a young man were, you know, on a camping trip with, uh, uh-huh. or, you know, whatever, a summer camp, uh-huh. uh, reading <laughs> Priscilla Presley's biography. Yeah. Do you think there's any young, you know, young folks out there reading Miles to Go exactly. <laughs> instead of participating with the archery or whatever? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, oh, you gone. love Miley Cyrus? It's like, no, I love Billy Ray, but uh-huh. I still want to hear about his kids. Exactly. And that, and that boy was Harry Styles. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it worked out for him. Hey, you did. All right, so the episode begins in the kitchen uh, with Dorothy complaining about kids cutting class and Blanche commenting on the tag she's cutting off a pricey dress. Rose enters and says it's the 117th birthday of Robert Frost. Sophia mistakes Robert Frost for Jack Frost, and we're given a chance to debut a brand new feature on Sophia's Choice, and we're calling this one Frost Force 5. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, How's this going to be? Oh, I'll be curious. I, I... My mind's just racing. Is it going to be five people with the last name Frost? <laughs> it's just five facts about Jack Frost. Oh, okay. All right. All right. So Jack Frost is a Western personification of frost, ice, snow, sleet, winter, and freezing cold. Personally, I think he's a poor man's old man winter. Hmm. Uh, stories about Jack Frost originated in Anglo-Saxon and Norse winter customs. Uh, Jack Frost was also the titular character in the 1891 short story, King Jack Frost. I love that one. That one was written by an (laughs) 11-year-old blind deaf girl named Helen Keller. Hmm. A few years later, she was accused of plagiarizing Margaret Canby's book, Birdie and His Fairy Friends. In her defense, Keller said that she didn't remember reading that book or having it read to her. She could have said, I've never even seen (laughs) or heard about that. Say what you will about her. She sure plays a mean pinball. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Jack Frost is also the name of a 1998 movie in which Michael Keaton teaches us that it's okay if your dad dies. There's always a chance he'll come visit you the next time a heavy snowfall hits town. Uh, The movie featured both Dweezil and Amit Zappa, and I'd be curious to know if Frank Zappa ever visited them in snowman form. Uh, Jack Frost is also the pseudonym Bob Dylan uses when he produces his own albums. And alphabetically, the five best-produced Jack Frost albums are Christmas in the Heart, Love and Theft, Modern Times, Shadows in the Night, and Tempest. Hmm. I would imagine that based, based on the fact that he was a rocker and of that time, 
the snowman that he was was probably a whole different kind of snow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Frank Zappa didn't use drugs. Oh, did he not? He did not. Oh, wow, uh, very nice. I don't even think he drank alcohol. Hmm. Well, now it seems like he's a little boring for a rocker. <laughs> <laughs> like, didn't he have a kid named Munya or something? Yeah, that was his daughter. And he didn't do drugs? He did not. <laughs> huh. He was just a creative. Maybe he had different things that he didn't refer to as drugs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so after Ms. Sophia mistakes Robert Frost for Jack Frost, Rose attempts to correct her, but while doing so, mistakes Robert Frost for David Frost. I'd like to pause this recap for a moment and revisit one of our more popular features, Frost Force 5. We <laughs> <laughs> so do love that. It's, it's basically as Someone popular, knew. As, popular <laughs> as almost any of our other features, I say. Exactly. <laughs> So here are five facts about David Frost. Okay. okay. Uh, Sir David Frost was a British comedian, television host, and journalist that was born in 1939. He first came to fame in 1962 while hosting the satirical show That Was the Week That Was. Although he could see and hear, David Frost was accused of plagiarism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Unfair standard. Yeah. yeah. Comedian Peter Cook felt that David had stolen some of his jokes and started calling him the bubonic plagiarist. <laughs> uh, the two were at the same party in 1963 when David, who could not swim, ended up in the swimming pool. Peter Cook rescued the drowning David Frost and then spent the rest of his life telling people that it was his biggest regret. Wow, uh, that's kind of hor- harsh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was the week that was originally aired live and for as long as David wanted to talk. Eventually, the BBC decided that they'd like a bit more structure, so they started to impose an end time and began scheduling episodes of The Third Man immediately after David's show. Uh, David then started to end his shows with a spoiler-filled discussion of The Third Man, an encouragement for people to just turn off their television since they knew what was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> the BBC let him return to an open-ended format. <laughs> yeah, that is a real... That's a, a dick move, right? Yeah, it's a dick move, <laughs> but it's, it's kind of a baller move, too. It is. Uh, David Frost's 1977 interviews with Richard Nixon became a play and later a movie. If you've not seen Frost Nixon, I encourage you to do so. It's probably the best Ron Howard movie to not feature a mermaid. So what would you say? Um, it does it have a second a second competitor after the mermaid, non-mermaid Ron Howard movies? No, I think it's definitely my favorite. Oh, okay. Ron Has Ron movie. Howard made multiple mermaid movies? I don't know. There may have been one in Willow. I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know which one you're referring to. Splash. Oh, I never saw it. You've never seen Splash? Never. Uh, I take that back. Yeah. I take that back. Did it have Steve Gutenberg? Nah, uh, close. Tom Hanks. Oh, yeah, no, nah, that's not close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were neck and neck for a while. <laughs> maybe, yeah. maybe that era, yeah. And who knows? History may bear us out that <laughs> Gutenberg's the way to go. <laughs> His return? I sure hope not, because I mean, the Tom Hanks took a real deep, you know. <laughs> Plunge off the <laughs> like he's like America's sweetheart as far as dudes go. Like how many bad movies does Tom Hanks have to make in a row? Oh, it wouldn't even be bad movies. It would have to be that Tom Hanks turned out to be like a you know Bill Cosby level yeah. serial rapist or something like that. Yeah. We have to find out awful things about Tom Hanks mm. to disavow all of his prior good works, um, you know, theatrically. So, um. So after Rose mistakes Robert Frost for David Frost, uh, Dorothy corrects the record and lets her know that Robert Frost was an American poet. You know, this is a good opportunity to revisit one of our more popular features, Frost Force 5. (laughs) (laughs) So here are five facts about Robert Frost. Okay. Uh, Robert Frost was born in San Francisco in 1874. He was named after Robert E. Lee, which probably wouldn't go over too well in the San Francisco of 2022. Hmm. 
He wasn't considered a lucky man. He buried both his parents while he was young. He'd later have to bury both his wife and four of his six kids. Jeez. I couldn't find any record of him burying his sister, but I did swear, see where he had to have her committed to a mental hospital. Fun, fun times. Yeah. Well, once you have someone committed, then you just kind of walk away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wash your hands of it. Exactly. So State's he, problem now. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, he was the first poet to perform at a presidential inauguration. Uh, Kennedy asked him to speak in 1960. Uh, Kennedy would later give Frost the Congressional Medal of Freedom, and Frost accepted that the same way he'd accepted his four Pulitzers for poetry. Uh, one of his most popular poems uh, was titled Stopping by Woods on a Snowy Evening. That's the one that concludes, The woods are lovely, dark, and deep, but I have promises to keep and miles to go before I sleep. Oh, shit. I wonder if that's where they got the title. <laughs> so I love the no connection. No connection. <laughs> I know that it's the shtick, but, <laughs> but as far as your acting chops go, <laughs> I don't think that you've got a career ahead of you, <laughs> if that's an example. <laughs> I, I'm going to disagree with that okay. also. I think you I, just pursue that. Thank you. Thank you. Full steam ahead. Thank you. Um, be nipping at Steve Gutenberg's heels. <laughs> <laughs> that is a possibility. <laughs> so he died at the age of 88 in 1963, and his tombstone reads, I had a lover's quarrel with the world. Ah. I think that's a solid that's, epitaph. Yeah. Seems fitting for him. Yeah, yeah. So we find out that Miles is holding a dinner to celebrate Robert Frost's birthday. He's invited the Goldens over to listen to him read some of Frost's poetry. We're not told if he's invited all of his college professor co-workers that we've met in previous episodes or if his not-too-fond-of-Rose daughter will be there. Mm. <laughs> we transition to Miles' living room and catch him in Meteorez going on about Frost and his word choices. Sophia turns on the TV, hoping to catch Lead United take on Luton Town. Right, <laughs> right, as we all would. <laughs> She's shocked to see a man of color delivering news on a weeknight. <laughs> if she turned on the news today, she probably wouldn't have much more luck than she did back then. Yeah. So the poor man's Lester Holt is on the television going on about the murder of Nikki the Cheese Man Moran. Mm -hmm. This brings us to a new feature we're calling Funny or Frightful. Oh, okay. I'm going to name a... Force five. <laughs> I'm going to name a mafioso, and you'll have to tell me if he's real or fake. For example, if I were to list Mickey the Cheese Man, you'd say fake. But if I were to say Sammy the Bull, you'd say real. Okay. Okay. So now is this a quiz between the two of us, or we just shout out the answer? Um, no, we'll do a quiz, whatever. Okay. Got a, got a pencil I can take a score real quick? Sure. I originally had the score column on my thing here, but then I ended up not printing. So. Oh, okay. So, so I this will probably be, do very poorly. I mean, it's a guessing game. <laughs> so unless you really know your old-time mobsters. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, so the first one. Angelo Quack Quack. Uh, I'm going to go with real. We'll go fake. Okay. So Alan gets the point. Uh, he was real. Uh, Angelo Quack Quack talked nonstop, <laughs> and the FBI bugged his house and recorded hours of him talking about every single operation going on at any given moment. <laughs> I was really hoping the Quack Quack was a uh, pun on Rose's poetry. Oh, uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a key, yeah. Uh, Carmine the Snake. I'm going to go with fake, only because it sounds so real. <laughs> I'll say real. It is real. Oh, so one to one. Right, so he was master of the double cross. Mm. Kind of makes you wonder why you'd even bother yeah. <laughs> working with him. With the name Snake, it seems like you're just playing with fire to begin with. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Ciro, the artichoke king. I'm going to go with fake on that one. I'll go real again. It is real. Damn. Yeah. Uh, he made his money buying and reselling artichokes, which for a short period in the 1930s were illegal in New York. Uh-uh. 
<laughs> I hope that you end up with, I can't even remember his it's first name, like, but the... Uh, kind of like a prohibition? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I hope that you come up with the Beeper King um, <laughs> at some point. <laughs> uh, Frankie the Squealer. I'll say real. I'll say fake. It is fake. God damn it. He was on The Simpsons. Ah. Uh, Jake Greasy Thumb. You, you answer first this time. Uh, Jake the Greasy Thumb? Just Jake Greasy Thumb. Yep. I'll say real again. I'll go with fake. Uh, it's real. He is uh, good at bribery. He uh, is really uh, stomping me. I've known all these. He's a made man. <laughs> we, we have at least ten more, right? <laughs> Eight more. Oh, okay. Wow. I, still, I, still, I still have a chance. Yeah. Jimmy the Snitch. Fake. I also say fake. Yep. Another Simpsons. He's just going to say the same thing I do for the rest of it, just so that he fucking keeps <laughs> yeah, his lead. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> A solid, I would not have thought about that strategy, but he's a, now he's a made man. He's got money on the spread. Right. So to, <laughs> Joe Bananas. I'll say real. Mm, Joe Bananas. It sounds kind of real to me. I'm going to say real. Yep, it's real. Uh, Who's copying answers now? Uh, <laughs> Joseph Bonanno was renamed Joe Bananas by lazy and I'm guessing racist uh, newspaper reporters. Mm. He became the boss of his own family at 26. And would die peacefully at the age of ninety-two, but wow. he's still around. Why? Why would he be racist? Was he black? Um, no, I just think that like just anti-Italian. Hmm. You know, like I don't Bonato, know. Bananas. Just the name know. is really similar. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know how it's racist. I mean, I guess you could say it was ra- <laughs> it's racist just because he's like I don't know. It's like making fun of an Italian name. Sure, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's so similar to the word that they use. Yeah. Okay with it. Okay. I'll allow it. All right. Uh, <laughs> Johnny Tight Lips. Fake. I'll say fake also. Yep. Another Simpsons. Uh, Kevin, two weeks. I'll be real honest. I'm really upset with us that we haven't picked out all these Simpsons ones by knowledge. Yeah, I mean, I think... At least a few of them. I've gotten all but one. Um, Well, no, I'm just saying, like, did you know them, though? Yeah, I mean, several of them. Two of the three that I guessed that correctly, I knew. One, I guessed by luck, and then... I I think I've only known one of the Simpsons. So... Proceed, sorry. It's okay. Kevin, two weeks. Fake. I'll say real. Yeah, it's real. Yes. Um, I thought it was like just badass. I was like, oh, he gives him in two weeks to live. Uh, you know, but it's not. That's how long he lasted in prison before cutting a deal. Ah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how he got his nickname. Yep. Kevin, two weeks. But he he did all of his bad stuff beforehand. Yeah, finally so. gets to prison, <laughs> snitches, and then he gets his nickname. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, Mickey Blue Eyes. That's totally fake. That's a movie. That's that's. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll go with fake also. Yep. That was the Hugh Grant movie. As Steve spoiled for us. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Well, he loves Hugh Grant. He does. He's seen them all. <laughs> um, the only person who's seen more of Hugh Grant is Divine. <laughs> or whatever. Was that the prostitute's name? I think so. That <laughs> sounds right. <laughs> uh, Philip the Chicken Man. I think he has to answer. Since he's in the lead, I think he has to answer first on all these. I'll say real on this one. I'm going to go with uh, real also. Yep. Uh, he worked in a poultry factory uh, when he was a young man. Uh, he died when a mail bomb was detonated beneath his front porch, mm. and they found pieces of him several blocks away. Wow. Kind of rough. Heck of a bomb. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Thomas the toupee. Fake. I'll go with real on that one. Yep, it's real. Um, he spent most of his career as a driver and a bodyguard um, until he was finally uh, promoted underboss. And ah, he was okay. shot down two weeks later. 
Uh, so, I was going to say, so how many do we have left at this point? I'm only one point behind Ski. Yep, we got one question left. Okay, so, my, so it's either going to be a tie or a win for Ski. Yep. So, Tommy. This, this last one should be worth two points. Okay. <laughs> Actually, the final one's worth three points. Oh, okay, okay. nice. Tommy Three Fingers. Okay. Hmm. I'm going to say fake. I'm going to go with real because I'm going to win or lose. Yep, that is real. Nice. Come from behind, Alan. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so final score, 11 to 9. Um, and then just <clears throat> full disclosure, Tommy Three Fingers had a deformed hand that reminded police officer of the famous baseball player Mordecai Three Fingers Brown. Ah. <laughs> Mordecai spent two decades in the major leagues and would make the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1949. I kind of wish the whole rest of your recap was just about Mordecai. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which... <laughs> Yes, he did say Mordecai earlier, and he now did. here Mordecai is again. Exactly, and I, I said, like, oh, I'll be coming back to him later tonight. Such yeah. a common name, though. Yeah, it really is. It's like Mordecai, Steve. Yeah. The circle is complete. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so after seeing on the news that a car bomb shredded the cheese man, uh, Miles sends the Goldens on their way. He picks up the phone and starts asking questions about whether he's free at last, although we don't hear him thank God Almighty for being free at last. Mm-hmm. Uh, we turn to the Goldens' house, and shortly thereafter, Miles also returns to the Goldens' house. It's later that same night, but Miles was too excited to wait until he saw Rose again. He wanted to confess to her that he's not really a college professor. He'd lied to her about that. He's actually in the witness protection program, and everything she learned about his life is a lie. Presumably, this includes the disapproving co-workers and daughter she previously met. Yeah, I was going to say, this opens up all kinds of plot holes. Well, we don't know how Mm. long he's been in this program. So that's, I don't think he says specifically how long ago it's been. So there could be sprinklings of truth in it like it could really be his daughter maybe his whole family was relocated maybe they set him up as a college professor although he was an accountant before so but it just kind of gets into some of the issues that i have with uh (laughs) with the continuity Uh, so miles tells rose that he's really is nicholas carbone an accountant from chicago he says he was accidentally working for the mafia when he was arrested he said that he turned snitch because he wouldn't last two weeks in prison. But mm-hmm. unlike Kevin, two weeks, Miles didn't snitch because of a character flaw. He snitched because his sweet dance moves would have made him the belle of the prison ball. Mm. <laughs> Rose tells Miles that she's not sure if she can continue to date a stranger. Later, when it's just her and the Goldens, she laments to the other Goldens that a Miles by any other name isn't as sweet. She then tells them the story of Mary Jane Von Puffapuffa. <laughs> uh, long story short, uh, Mary Jane went to Mexico and adopted a chihuahua. She brought her chihuahua home and taught it numerous chihuahua tricks, but when she took her chihuahua to the doctor, the doctor said, Rose, that ain't no chihuahua, that's a rat. So in this metaphor, Miles is a rat and not the professor chihuahua that Rose previously knew and loved. Was a good uh, play on words, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. There was a section there with Rose talking. I mean, you you, you did skim through quite a bit. I'm mm-hmm. getting to where we're at now, so I'm going to mention Yeah, the, a few the whole little uh, spiel that she goes on. Not the entire one, but a good portion of I it. I think that was probably one of my favorite little bits on the show. So Brent has not bothered with the B story, which wasn't much of a B story, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, <laughs> there are two B stories, and I skipped them both. Okay. Well, the B story that I'm referring to, at least, is where. A friend of Sophia's was going to take her to a Tony Bennett concert, mm-hmm. and she got real pissed off because the friend changed her mind to give the ticket to a friend, yeah. to a, um, a man, right? To a man, yeah, correct. And they were talking on the phone, and I can't remember the woman's last name, but Gold it was is Goldfine. Okay, so yeah, it was Gladys. A, Gladys Goldfine. It was a last name that would be probably a typical Jewish last name, mm-hmm. 
And Sophia, in her anger, tells her that that sandwich she gave her yesterday, that it did have ham it on it. It was ham. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I didn't even put two and two together. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so uh, so there was that little line. Um, and then there was a part, I'll just go ahead and skip. There was the, the part that Brent was talking about where Rose went on this kind of long tirade about, you know, knowing all the, somebody. All, yeah, all the times they'd spoken about stuff and shared the life experience. Right, and and I'll just read this one portion that I particularly enjoyed, which says, if you say something to somebody who isn't really who, he's, uh, who he is, have you actually said anything or not? And if he's heard it as someone who he isn't, has anything you've said actually been heard? Um, and then she goes on a little further mm-hmm. after that. I thought it was one of Rose's better, yeah. um, you know, well, and then Sophia even says, like, what? I wasn't listening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that reminded me. Ski and I used to work with these two guys, uh, Barry and, and Art. Okay, so Art was, I believe, Filipino. I think so, yeah. Um, and he had a bit of an accent, mm-hmm. and he talked really fast as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and Barry, he was a super hard worker, uh, but he kind of had a dick streak to him as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, um, he was very jaded about everything in life. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, he definitely was unhappy, unhappily unhappy married. Ma- yeah. I think that's where a lot of it's, you know, he worked too much. Yeah. It was just all a combination of things. Right. And and he said that Barry was talking to us one day and he said Art came up to him and he was, you know, going on and on and on about some sort of situation going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, after Art had been talking for about five minutes, Barry turned to him and said, what'd you say? <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Art started over again and he said, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear it in my head right now, actually. But anyways, <laughs> those were the only things in particular that I thought that she skipped over that uh, stood out to me. There were a couple okay. other things I had written down, but now as I reread them, they're not even worth re-mentioning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the Goldens convince Rose to go on another date with Miles and to see if she can get past calling him Nick. She goes on the date and returns to the Goldens with exciting news. Nick's, Nick likes his whiskey neat. Also, she's moving to Chicago. It's a few days later, and the radio announces that the coroner cut the cheese man open and discovered that it wasn't the cheese man after all. This faux fromage fooled Miles into revealing his location, and now the cheese man is going ham on him. Uh, <laughs> Miles shows up at the Goldens and tells Rose that he still wants her to come with him, but the still-living cheese man means they have to pass the Windy City and live elsewhere. She won't be able to see her friends, family, or children ever again. Rose doesn't seem too concerned with not seeing her kids' grandkids, but to not be insulted by Sophia is too much. Yeah. She tells Miles he'll be flying solo. Miles leaves, but before he goes, he tells Rose that he'll be back once he can cut the cheese man out of his life for good. Rose asks him if he wants to his book of Frost poems, and Miles tells her to keep it. He says that she should read Reluctance and think of him. Rose flips to page 73, reads the finale of the poem, and realizes that Miles is full of shit. That <laughs> poem is about continuing to fight for what you love despite the odds, which is the exact opposite of what Miles just did. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Um, there was a, a couple lines in there that I thought were pretty good. When you were talking about how Rose you know, was saying how, uh, how similar Miles and Nick were, uh-huh. uh, basically she said that it's uncanny. And I love the Dorothy response. She says, you haven't had much experience with the uncanny, have you? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, then there was another one where uh, Sophia was talking about, you know, the potential of being a mm-hmm. casualty. Yeah. Um, and saying, I don't want to get killed at my age. That's like being tackled at the one-yard line. Yeah, yeah. I really love that line. So, yeah. yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, Should we tell how the uh, B story ended? Oh, yeah, sure. So yeah. You know, Gladys came by and was asking for... Sophia, but uh, Dorothy had answered. Sophia was kind of behind the uh, door saying, don't, don't tell her I'm here, you know? Mm-hmm. 
And so, you know, Glass is like, is your mother here? And she's like, no, I haven't seen her. Do you know when she'll be home? Can you leave a message? And, uh, or I think Dorothy asked if, if I can take a message or something. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she tells her she wanted to say sorry. And when, upon hearing this, Sophia jumps out and says, it's about time. Mm-hmm. And we find out that it's not actually uh, Tony Bennett. Tony Bennett. It was like t- Tony Martin, right. which is another singer from the basic era. <laughs> I think he was older than Tony Bennett, maybe even. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think nearly as famous because um, I had to look him up to see yeah. who he was. <laughs> but like, yeah, he was. She was like, "Why would I even stand outside for Tony Bennett tickets?" <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, but what was the? I know that Blanche had a situation because I, I the, her sea story was um she bought a fancy dress and was right. taking the tags off so she could reattach them and get her money back, and then uh, Dorothy ruined it. And she had to get it dry cleaned, and she couldn't return it. And right. so basically, uh, she's just going to jack up the rent in order to pay for it, except yeah. for Sophia, because, you know, her rent stays the same because it was her idea. Yeah, I figure it was controlled, rent control for Sophia. Controlled. <laughs> I did. There was one line related to that story that I like where Blanche is talking about how it was the most embarrassing moment of her life, you know, when she was basically taken to task by the uh, store manager or whatnot yeah. uh, for that. And Dorothy says, what about the time you lost the key to your handcuffs and had to go with that guy on his mail route? Um, <laughs> I thought the idea of that was funny. That um, was good. I guess, though, that would have to mean that she was having relations with the mailman during his shift. And then it was like, well, I got to finish this up or I'll get in trouble. So you're coming along for the ride. <laughs> well, I don't know if he spent the night or something and then had to leave the next day. Yeah, I suppose um, there, there would be. But no, see, I guess because I have a little more inner knowledge of the inner workings of the post office since my mom worked there. She would have had to then years. go into the station with them, case his mail, like get it prepared for the route. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like it would have had to have been during Say, his who, shift. Who's your friend and why are you handcuffed together? <laughs> right. That's why they call him Mr. McFeely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> ne- never mind that. This is bring your uh, mistress to the work day. Yeah. Exactly. Well, my favorite part of this episode is that we only had two guest stars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> course we had harold gould as miles for his seventh out of 13 times um, and then we had a uh, mary gillis she played gladys 87 titles to her name this is her only golden girls um for someone who didn't start i think until a little later in life uh, mm-hmm. she did have some some good credits to her name she was on mm-hmm. shameless uh, what we do in the shadows the middle uh, mm-hmm. a couple episodes of the office mm-hmm. scrubs malcolm in the middle fear and loathing in las vegas mm-hmm. so a lot of uh I'm not necessarily a big fan of that last movie, but I think Brent is. Fear and Loathing of the Vegas? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm fine with it, but it's not. Yeah. But all, all those other shows, I think, are things mm-hmm. that we share. Um, the book's one of my all-time favorite books. Oh, is it? Mm-hmm. Very nice. Um, Hunter S. Thompson's crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's really good. So, Ski. I, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I'm good. Go ahead. So, if you have more yeah. about Hunter S. Thompson you want to discuss, by all means, it's no, only okay. up to 42 minutes. That's with all the bullshit at the beginning. That really? Mostly will get cut. <laughs> oh, okay. There's some good stuff in there. I was also yeah. going to add that uh, I like the line where uh, when Blanche was offended <clears throat> that they accused her of being dishonest. And Dorothy mm-hmm. was like, you know, you should have told him you're going to take your dishonesty elsewhere. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that is a solid one. I guess my biggest complaint is, you know, I wish instead of, you know, Miles be like, I'm in the witness protection program. My name's Nick Carbone. You mm-hmm. know, I wish he'd been like, my name's Arnie. Uh, that would have been great. <laughs> I was ho- so hoping that. That would have salvaged it a bit. Exactly. Uh, um. How did you not know? We t- <laughs> <laughs> so ski. So he's had three names now, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, Nick, Arnie, and Miles. But mm-hmm. um, so who is uh, who's your MVP for this one, Ski? I think I had it written down, but I didn't bring it. Um, I want to go with. Uh, 
not go with Miles. I'm going to go with Rose, I guess, because she, you know, even though she was, like, a bit uh, scared of the issue that, you know, he, she didn't know who he was, which seems a little preposterous, you know, uh, she she took him on back again. Yeah, I mean, I went with Rose also, mostly <clears throat> for that monologue that she did about the, yes. you know, talking to and who is it and have you really heard or whatever. But Good line. Um, but what about you, Brent? Who got your MVP? Oh, I'm a traditionalist. Um, okay. So I'm going with, um, you know, the mermaidens. The mermaidens? Yeah. A traditional, you know, second wedding anniversary present. Ha, MVP. Ha. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm giving it to them. All right. So. Fair enough. Not David Frost? Yeah. Happy anniversary, you two crazy kids. <laughs> well, it's not really their anniversary, though. It would have been their anniversary if it wasn't for COVID. Well, and that is. still was several weeks ago that it would have been by the time <laughs> that they're here. It's their this. fake anniversary, and this is a fake podcast. Ah. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is a real podcast. Are the talent maybe fake um, <laughs> or just non-existent? Yeah. But <laughs> I don't think we're faking anything, to be honest. <laughs> I've seen you fake it. I know. <laughs> so, Ski, how many slices? <laughs> I can tell you're faking because you don't have your natural juices. Ah. <laughs> We'll that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Ski, who got your, or I mean, how many slices of cheesecake did this one earn for you? Two. Two. Seems fair. Um, did you uh, want to expound on that at all, or just sure? Yeah, we, we're running slim on time anyway. A little. So, <laughs> yeah, I think. I mean, I'm not gonna hold them to uh, the the flame on uh, continuity because it's just you know we've seen all kinds of holes in the past, but this just opened up the floodgate. Mm-hmm. I thought on like. So many things like we've literally seen his co-workers, supposedly, mm-hmm. and then like you said, his daughter came and you know <laughs> visited, and was disapproving right of mm-hmm. uh, Rose, yeah. and you know if he was really in the, you know witness protection program this whole time, mm-hmm. uh, and then yeah I think it would have gotten probably an eight from me if they had brought it back as Arnie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I could have gone that far, but um, <laughs> yeah I had the same issues. I mean obviously the. Uh, the fact that there's a lot of really questionable parts of it. Now, granted, I could see, like I said, I could kind of explain away, like, yeah, his whole family got relocated, mm-hmm. and so that's why his daughter was still there, um, a, a part of it, and his wife was probably still there and died, as as we <clears throat> had learned in the past. But they just were all under an assumed name. That's a lie. Um, and then... I really have a lot of trouble. Professorship is a difficult thing to get. Exactly. And I just don't think the government could be like, okay, you have to accept this accountant (laughs) as your English professor. Exactly. You should get some student loan forgiveness. If, maybe, you know, maybe he you don't minored have an or something. English teacher, <laughs> right? You know, giving you your degree. What, what if he double majored or something? He did have English literature. You know, that could be something. I guess nobody double majors English literature and accounting. <laughs> yeah, I was. Alan say, was struggling with it. <laughs> I've seen him struggle with English. <laughs> <laughs> Me tell English? That's impossible. <laughs> I've had a faux pas here and there. I'll yeah. admit. <laughs> I think I have a pretty decent command of you the do. language. You do. <laughs> so Brent, I think you're closer to being bilingual than I am. I mean, that doesn't say much. <laughs> yeah. Actually, when he was younger, Alan was an excellent writer. I haven't seen anything. Yeah, when I was younger. Time. Well, I don't. I don't know what you write anymore. But like when you were yeah. a kid, I remember like uh, our English teacher, Miss Lively. She would talk about how good some of your writing was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was a pretty solid writer back then. I don't know if I would be able to. I think I was a solid writer for my age. I don't know that I've continued. Well, I don't think I'd be a I good writer. I think everything has age. to be under that 
blink it, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm just saying that I think my writing skills stopped developing at a certain age. I, I, think don't, I'm a good... I don't think any of us were like Mozart back then. <laughs> like, yes, he's a good writer for any age. I mean, I can write a business email like I'm ringing a bell. Um, I'm See? really good at that. So, I know your mouth can write checks, your ass can't cash. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't think that I've ever offered anything <laughs> to my ass. <laughs> what is, I couldn't think of the expression. Like, what is it? I mean, there's don't let your... Uh, there's different ones. I think like don't let your mouth write checks that your wallet can't cash or um, that your fist can't cash or something. Yeah. I think there are different ways. I think, I think you guys are both dancing around it somehow. I don't know what the exact words are either, though. I think. Well, I know that at one time I made Brent laugh out loud via a uh, instant message type situation at work mm-hmm. um, because I said don't let you had sent me a text I think and I said don't have your thumbs write checks that your wardrobe can't cash and <laughs> and I remember he particularly enjoyed that yeah. joke. Like you could hear it from a few like cubes away or something. Yeah, yeah, Different floor from the fourth to the fifth. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's how uproarious <laughs> the laughter was. But. Pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so how many slices did this one get for you, Brent? Uh, two. Two. Yeah, which I didn't get. Yeah, it was nothing. It was really hard to do a recap for this one. <laughs> I there were some funny As you aspects. <laughs> yeah, there were some funny aspects of it. But when that ending happened, which I think. I'd rather see Rose blowing out a birthday candle than that ending. I thought it was <laughs> maybe the worst ending of any episode uh, wow. that I've seen to date. Um, for one, it just made no sense to me at all. Mm-hmm. And I also, now granted, I guess other people wouldn't know this, but we knew that, um, like at the time when it aired, people wouldn't know, but we knew that Miles was coming back. <laughs> and so it's also weird. How, how do they do this, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll find out in a couple episodes because um, he's, he's back here soon um, before the end of the season. But yeah, there was, I had issues with the continuity thing. There were just so many things that you'd have to really suspend disbelief in mm-hmm. order to even go along with the story. And that ending just, it took a mediocre episode that I had issues mm-hmm. with and turned it into an awful episode, in my <laughs> opinion. Yeah. I started off giving it a .25. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And then I was like, you know, there were some funny lines. I like the Rose thing. Mm-hmm. So I also gave it a two. Um, still an awful score. This for, may be our lowest Really? It's in the ballpark. It's not. I think it's still my average out to higher than bu- brother. Can you spare a jacket? Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't remember what that one was. I think it was under two. Um, yeah. But this one, I guess, will average I'll two. Give since, it a zero. Right. So yeah, yeah. Like I said, a, a mediocre episode with the god awful ending. Um, <laughs> you know, leading to a score that I think is, mm-hmm. you know, pretty Good fitting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Much like this episode itself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> mediocre oh. with a god awful ending. <laughs> I don't know. I think our episode, the ending, has been fine. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that people are going to be like, oh, they were they were doing fine, and then all of a sudden they gave their ratings, and it was real shit there at the end. Exactly. I'm always highly impressed with ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad somebody is. Yeah. <laughs> at least one I've got to balance out Brent's malaise. Make, make sure you give us a five-star review then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Every day. Mm. Every day. Just not online. Yeah, <laughs> he just speak it out into the universe. You created a Yelp in my page heart. For us. Yeah. <laughs> we were the highest rated podcast on Yelp. Yeah. <laughs> you ever read uh, church reviews on Yelp? No, I don't think so. Yeah. Are they pretty good? Yeah. I wonder if we could get love on... their Jesus. Maybe four could... and a half stars. Maybe we could get on Angie's list. I bet it would be the highest rated podcast <laughs> on Angie's list. Is Angie's list still around? I think it's just called Angie now, but yeah, it's still around. Gotcha. So. So, all right. Well, that, all right. that concludes this episode. We would also episode. be the worst rated. What's that? We could also be the worst rated if we were the only one. Well, that's true. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess we'd be everyone in between as well. So, but. here's an icebreaker question for you guys. Sure. Okay. Um, so, 
you know, sky's the limit. You know, you can pick anybody you want to. Okay. okay? Living or dead. Okay. So if there was one person throughout all of history uh, that you would wish would uh, stay golden, who would it be? Hmm. Um, let's see. Well, so I guess it depends on what we're determining staying golden would be. But I guess what, I, what's the criteria? Yeah, I guess I'd go with Abraham Lincoln. I really? Hope, <laughs> I hope that he always stays golden. I hope there's never a time where we look back and are like, ah, oh, no, we we had it all wrong. That <laughs> 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 all this time we thought that yeah he, he had his flaws or whatever, but he was yeah, yeah. you know probably the greatest American president. Yeah. Um, I I say probably I think pretty much definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, that said, I hope we don't you know find out something horrible about his past that makes us question that uh, yeah. like that really he held up the end of slavery <laughs> or something yeah, like that. he could have canceled it two weeks earlier except yeah. you know he was there actually was some <laughs> yeah. there, there was some stuff about that like he was very uh tim Petrus about uh, i mean yeah he, he had the he had to thread quite the needle i think mm-hmm. and uh i think he had some issues with that but i still think he he pretty easily qualifies anti. yeah <laughs> And I think definitely qualifies as our greatest president. So I hope that he always stays golden. Mm-hmm. How about you, Ski? Who's King Midas. King Midas. <laughs> Was King Midas a real person? Or no, just I a steward? So. Okay. Probably as real as Shaq Frost. <laughs> what about you, Brent? Did you have a person in history or, or currently? No, I was just trying to set you up for your stay golden, Coco. Uh, okay. I didn't realize you are actually going to answer. Uh. <laughs> I was like, man, Alan's been waiting for this question. <laughs> Teeing it up. Hey, listen, I'm just trying to get us a little closer to that hour mark. What um, are we at now? Oh, like 54. All right. 53 and a half, something like that. All right. So we were talking about microphone placement earlier. Uh-huh, yeah. Oh, did you have something about that that uh, <laughs> yeah. you wanted to bring up? Yeah, not really. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I... Um, uh, the Led Zeppelin uh, four, their fourth album, mm-hmm. um, the track uh, "When the Levee Breaks," you know, just has these kick-ass drums on it that I've just always loved, and like mm-hmm. the Beastie Boys sampled them, and they're just like you know, famous, famous drums, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I was like, man, I just love this those drums and the way that they sound and everything. And I read a book about the making of the album a few months back, and they were talking about it. And, you know, just every aspect of the album. But basically, the way they recorded the drums is it was recorded in an old British manor, and it had one of those um, spiral stones. E-R or O-R? Manor? Uh, like the house, like <laughs> O-R? Yeah. So not just in the old way that British people used to do things. Well, they did it that way, too. I mean, I'm sure they had tea and crumpets every afternoon at three. Right. <laughs> so, so um, but the house had a... um. Uh, stone spiral stairwell okay. um, that went up, you know, and so they set the drums up at the bottom of this stone uh, staircase, and then they hung two microphones, one 10 feet above the drums and one 20 feet above the drums, and then he recorded them there, and then the microphones recorded, and then just the 10-foot differential from the first microphone to the second microphone. Gave made reverberation? It, exactly, and it made it sound like there were two drum sets sort of mm. playing, you know, together, but just slightly, you know, behind or whatever. Mm. And that's how they got that, you know, cavernous drum sound. No, very nice. Kind of a cool little yeah. tidbit. So yeah. you want us to try to set up some sort of a mic, uh, <laughs> a mic rig like that here so that we can... Give what, you the best possible sound. <laughs> what I like us to do is just hang one single microphone above the table. Okay. And we just sort of spin around in a circle. Uh. And like <laughs> when the microphone's in front of you, you got to take your shot. <laughs> uh. <laughs> you know, that would 
probably an interesting idea. Not like obviously, if you have less than a second, that doesn't really work <laughs> out. But that's all skeeties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his wife knows all too well. But uh-huh. uh, but it would be interesting. Hey, now a second's a pretty good amount of time. <laughs> That's what they call. That's why his uh, mafia name is One Pump Ski. (laughs) (laughs) Only after I got out of jail. Right. (laughs) (laughs) It's like I got a job to do, buddy. Let's get this over with. (laughs) Uh, But uh, I don't even know what I was saying anymore. Doesn't matter. Um, Talk about the microphone. Yeah, Yeah, some sort of like a a thing where. the microphone just randomly went to the next person, uh-huh. you know, kind of like a story type situation. Yeah, yeah. That actually could be kind of enjoyable, like an uh-huh. improv game type yeah. of a situation. You mean like a wheel that just spin? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, the arrow was pointing at Ski, it's his turn to say something. Yeah. You would probably rig it up, though, so that when you had a good story, it would just keep coming back to you <laughs> and cut <laughs> us out altogether. Exactly. And then when you were feeling kind of bored, <laughs> it would never hit you somehow. Pull that magnet out of my pocket. <laughs> right. <laughs> Toss it under Ski's chair. Yeah, yeah. Man, me again. Yeah. My grandfather always used to think that the the wheel on Wheel of Fortune was rigged. Oh, really? Like there was a little motor below it or whatever. Ah, it wouldn't be that surprising to make yeah. the story more interesting yeah. to keep people from getting too oh, big of money. Bankrupt yeah. again. We're so sorry. <laughs> it looks like you lost that trip, buddy. <laughs> yeah. so. All right. Well, you know who I'd like to stay golden more than anybody else? Andrew Jackson. I would say our, our audience. So. Oh, yeah. Stay golden, Coco. Yes. And audience. Yeah, all the above. Hey, thanks so much for downloading today. If you enjoyed that opening, you should definitely check out Ashley Jade on YouTube. She has a bunch of awesome compositions on there. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at sophiaschoicepodcast at gmail.com. You can also reach us on Twitter at sophiaschoicepc. We plan to have a new episode out every Monday. If you have a moment, give us a rating on iTunes or wherever else fine podcasts are downloaded. And of course, stay golden.